and welcome to another episode of In the Weeds with Anne. It's the end of February and I'm off to meet a couple who own and run a specialist nursery in East Sussex. They're not only specialists, they're also very special people because they are holders of one of the highest accolades in the horticultural world. Gold medals from Chelsea. I can't wait. Today, I'm in Hastings, by the seaside, <laughs> and I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm at Rotherview Nursery, which is owned and run by Wendy and Ray Bates. Hello. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know that you're a specialist nursery, and if someone had said to me, what do you specialise in, I'd have immediately thought, coastal plants. It's, you know, you're by the sea, it's got to be stuff to do with maritime conditions, and that. But that isn't the case, is it? <laughs> Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> we we specialise in alpines, uh, which is how we started out in Bodium, oh. um, and stayed on alpines for quite a long time. But right. since we've come to this location, which has been twenty one, twenty two years, years twenty one to twenty two years, okay, um, we. We've also been specialists in camellias. Right. Because we bought the nursery off Jean and Logan Edgar, and they had started the nursery some 25 years before we bought it and had only grown camellias, azaleas and rhododendrons, and in fact mainly azaleas and rhododendrons. Uh-huh. Um, but when we came to buy it, we thought that would be a wonderful addition to the alpines and would give us a winter income. Oh. which it may or may not do, depending on weather. Yes. Um, so alpines and camellias. And then latterly, we've really expanded the fern collection that we have, um, right. which we're quite into yeah. now, um, which complements the alpines, I think, on the woodland side. And to be fair, that was probably my instigation, because ferns are a man thing, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know, are they? <laughs> oh, hang on a minute, we're getting well, into very de- de- delicate area here well, now. Well, <laughs> we, we always say that well, like, most of our customers are women. Right. The ones who are men tend to say, I collect, or I collate, and I catalogue, and they do, they say, I do ferns, or I do this, and so we find a lot of the men are very, very knowledgeable, but on a smaller range, oh. and perhaps, I don't know, maybe a generalisation, I'm sure there's lots of terrific gardens out there, and men who determine the whole layout of their garden, but quite often we find that, um, you know, I would say on the ferns, there's a good proportion, a much higher proportion on the mm-hmm. alpines and camellias, who are customers are men, and they're very keen on, very keen on them. Why is that, do you think? Why, why should that be such a, a masculine <laughs> area don't, of interest? No, it's like with the alpines. Um, yeah. Sempervivums, you know, the spiky things, yes. does tend to be a male does it? area. We're probably sounding terribly sexist here. No, 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 here. it's fascinating. Uh, I had no I, idea that they would divide so well. I, I think it's people who buy a lot of one thing. Right. I would say if you've got somebody who's really, really keen and buys a lot of one genus or one one group, yeah. um, I would say the, the ones who spend most money are the men in one group. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. they, they are, and, and that's 30-odd years of experience, and I would say that's... Yeah. Pretty, yeah. it's a good data set, isn't it? That? Well, yeah, you've got the records, you've yeah, got the stats, you know. so it must be true. Mm. Wow. And why is it you had an interest in it then, Ray? Uh, because I I was a merchant navy officer before. Oh and my I'd, goodness! And right. I'd, and I'd been to 
um, I paid off a ship in Tasmania, they went up to see my cousin who lived in Melbourne and stayed there, and he took me around Victoria State and I saw all the tree ferns. Oh. And so I, I was quite interested in those. And then when we got into horticulture, although I, I, both of us were interested in gardening before, yeah. um, I got a very good customer in Surrey who, who asked me to get him an eight-foot stemmed tree fern, which I made a lot of money on, by picking it up from someone, a wholesaler, going and planting it for him and coming back, and I immediately drove back to the wholesaler and spent all the profit on another one for myself. Uh, so, <laughs> and, uh, and we stuck it in the ground here, and then we thought, what goes under that nicely? Well, other ferns do. And then we, we got inter- I got interested in them, really, and then we, we started doing more, didn't we? We did, we did. Yeah, yeah. and it's a right. pretty major part of the business now, really. How amazing, yeah, right. So. Gosh. Yeah. So alpines were your first love, though. That's what you started off with. Can we go a bit further back then? Yeah, that, that was that was a bit by accident as oh, well, really, okay. because um, Ray and I met sort of later in life. Yes, um, I'd been married before, and then I was director of studies of a language school. I, I, it was an adult language school teaching English to businessmen from Europe mainly, but at that time a lot of Middle East as well. Um, Where was that? EF in Hastings. Oh, in Hastings, uh-huh. Yeah, and I'd been director of studies there for quite some time, yeah. about 10, 12 years, but was getting increasingly um, fed up with it, I would say. Yeah, um, Ray and change. I were pretty keen to yeah. start a family, and it was all getting quite stressy, yeah. and the summers were awful, and I came home oh. one Friday in an incredibly bad mood, <laughs> and Ray just said to me, oh, for goodness sake, he said, look, there's an advert for a half-acre nursery there. Um, let's go and see it. And at the time, Ray was doing particularly well <laughs> with the um, building. Yeah, you know, I mean, so. we're talking '89 now. Right. Um, so neither of you were in horticulture up to that as point. No, I'd, I'd worked on nurseries from the time I was 12 to the time I was 18 while I was at school. Oh, and you? both my one grandfather was a head gardener up at Hastings Cemetery. I always say my dad grew up in the cemetery, and which he did. Um, they lived in there. <laughs> and my other grandfather was um, sort of dairyman, milkman for some bigger farms. And then he had a, a pretty big small holding, which he kept pigs on and grew a lot of fantastic dahlias and things. So I'd always been around growing in some way. Right. And so I was it was in the keen. blood. You yeah, had it in I the used family to... and so on. Yeah, I was a sailor. I was a sailor who went ashore and went to the botanic garden. And um, everybody went, where are you going? The bar? No, the botanic garden. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Um, but, you know, so. Goodness. So um, I also went to the bar. Late, later, <laughs> obviously later. Uh, but you'd have no money by then because you'd have spent it all on No, your... no, you can't buy plants when you, you can't bring them back in, can you? From, Did you not get a licence? From South Africa or oh, somewhere no. when you're on a ship. They, they really don't approve of no, it. No, best not. So, okay. Yeah, so, but, um, so we were both keen, weren't we? Yes, yeah, so I came from a long line of gardeners. My grandmother yeah. was huge in her gardening. My own mother is, you know, big garden, grew her own veg. There were four of us. Um, and I was always helping her. And I also did uh, one of the RS, RHS courses yes. um, while I was still director of studies Gosh, because okay. I had my own garden. Um, so we we went and looked at this nursery. It was half an acre out at Bodium to rent. Okay. And it had been run by somebody called John Watson, who was, a, well, who it still is, quite a big name in the Alpine world, a big he? plant collector. Right. And he'd run it for a while, and then gone, just left it. And he'd left about 5,000 alpines there. Hmm. So we inherited this stock. Um, very weedy, it had been left. It had been the 
storm the year before. It must have, it must have been 88. The big 88 storms, storms, yeah. That's right, because okay. there were oh, two tunnels right. there that had been blown down. It was wrecked. I mean, the site was wrecked. Crikey. But we went and saw it, and it talked about rose-tinted glasses. All we could see was, yes, bliss, freedom, we yes. can do this. Yeah. And because of the position I held, I had to give six months' notice, and that was in the October we went and saw it. Right. I gave my notice in, and... I left my job at the end of the following March wow. and if I remember rightly that April was about as wet as this January <laughs> it was and I yeah. sat in this makeshift container which had been turned into a workshop thinking what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> That's the start of many a dream really isn't it? <laughs> um, and anyway I mean that in 88, 89 that was yes. this is long before all the shows and plant fairs that we've got now Yes. It, there was no Hampton Court there was Chelsea uh -huh. and there were the Hardy Plant Society shows and I think the NCCPG yep, shows were running RHS halls and the RHS halls. And, and the agricultural shows. Sorry, RHS. Uh, the Royal Horticultural Society. Oh, the halls in London. In the yeah. halls okay, in yeah, Victoria. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and they were the only Agricultural shows. Society. Yeah. The Floral Market, the Ag Societies. Like yeah. South, South of England, England shows. You know, yes, yeah. show. yes. And that's where people bought their plants. Right. So it really was right at the beginning of quite a steep rise in horticulture. And our first show was at Dover. Mm. Um, and was that always your intention that you were going to grow plants and to go them. to shows no to we were sell. going to sell them to all the people who were going to come through the gate of the nursery <laughs> and <laughs> that we, didn't um, really happen oh. yeah well the, the, well the landlord um, was liable to drive a half a herd of bullocks up the drive at the same time wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> or, right. or come out shooting or something you know rabbits yeah, and things yes. so it, was, it wasn't a retail site we had, it was no. a great place to start but it was impossible yes. to retail from okay. so, so we, it was we, your growing area really Really. And was, I guess getting yeah. established as a nursery, I mean, must, that in itself must have been a huge learning curve for both of huge you. Huge learning curve, but I think self-taught can be best taught sometimes. We learnt a lot, we grew a lot, we grew all our own stuff, divided it all, propagated it all, turned out to be fairly successful. But then we'd been doing it about 18 months and... Um, Richard Biggs ran Bodium Nursery, which was around the corner, and the plant link the cooperative came up oh that's right yeah um and this was going to be a group of nurseries who would sell to garden centers farm shops in the southeast mm -hmm. um, and they approached us to supply the alpines and this oh, also coincided because uh, um with the rise of the plug trade now the the plug trade in horticulture is where you can buy 250 ready, ready grown seedlings in a tray, and all you do is you pop them out and pop them into pots. When but you say you... all you do, <laughs> <laughs> hang on a minute. Yeah. Yes, okay. And you grow okay. them on, but it meant that you, if you're propagating and dividing yourself, you have smaller quantities. Yes. But if you can buy a tray of 20, 250, you immediately have a quicker crop. Yeah. Um, it's ready. It's there. You pot it, and within six, eight weeks you're going to have a saleable plant, which means the options for wholesale are, are better. Yes. Um, and we decided that it would be something we could do with the help of this newly found um, plug trade, um, Florensis. Yeah, Dutch company. Well, they yeah. started okay. it. Yeah. So you were importing then from Holland? That's it. That's and with the plugs and then growing on? Growing uh, on. Th I think our account on. number was R006, and we think that the right it was Dirk. We yes. met him out there, and I think he got off the, the 
boat at Dover and we, we, we hit us at number yeah, six and we signed up. But, you know, um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it did. It revolutionised the industry, really. Yes. And it... Um, it meant that you didn't need such extensive propagation facilities if you wanted to produce wholesale, and I think that's what happened. Right. Um, the, the downside of that was, of course, that eventually everybody was doing it, and um, even some of the, the people who used to perhaps specialise in bedding realised they could do a crop of alpines very early and bang them out through the same system. So you found that some of the big um, bedding plant nurseries started to do a wider range, and, and they were mainly much bigger wholesale nurseries than us. Uh-huh. So, so although it was good for us at the start and certainly good while we were with the cooperative yes. um, uh, it, it has got its downsides yes. um, but uh, we, we, we were with the cooperative for quite a few years really but the costs on... well we were still with them when we moved here so we did at oh, least we, did, yeah, we, we, did, we started yeah. ca- uh, plant linking the first catalogue went out in 91 and we came here in '98, and we I think so. We did nine years nine with the car. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. Long and to be time. to yeah. be fair, uh, bank managers don't often give you good advice. But one Martin did. He said to us, "If you stop wholesale, if you've got a crop of 200, and you're wholesaling, you can give 10 to 20 garden centres, and they don't realise it's a non-mover. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you're retailing and it doesn't move, you've got 200 to throw away. And he was, and it's the only good bit of advice I've ever got off of a bank manager." <laughs> And he was absolutely right. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, and that's the, that's the thing. So you, when you're propagating yourself, you have to be a lot more careful of what you produce. Yes. Um, or, or sorry, when you're buying plug trays in yes, particular. Yes, yes. Otherwise, yeah. um, you know, we've done it. We've, we've doubled up on plug trays in the past and said, well, we sold out so quickly. And then next year, nobody wants it. Um, and you, 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 the best thing to do, the first loss is the, the best loss. You throw it away because if it doesn't sell in a nine centimetre... If you pot it up and you've got 200 in a litre, it doesn't sell in a litre either. And you've lost all the extra compost yeah, and the time. Throw, throw it on the compost heap. It, oh it really is the best thing to do. And it's a lesson everybody learns eventually. Okay. Yeah. Sounds I mean, bitter, that. It, it does sound bitter. And, and people who, who just grow plants for their garden and, and they treasure every plant, yeah. it's quite hard. Yeah. But when you're growing 10, 20,000 plants after a while, the odd one. Yeah, <laughs> just chuck them out, it's got to go. My favourite plant in Alpine is, is a little sort of shade lover, Polygonatum, a Solomon Seals. Polygonatum hookeri, it comes up tiny, tiny, a, a centimetre. And it's lovely, and the flower comes through first, and these little, little foliage. Flower. And it's beautiful, and it's my favourite plant, but you won't sell 10 a year. There's a reason nobody likes it. It's, too, it's, it's just too short a season. Okay. So we've got some, but yeah. we, we don't sell any. Right. And uh, you could I'll, never... put, I'll put them in my boot, Ray, no <laughs> worries. We probably haven't got any anymore. But... So how did you find dealing with alpines? Because that hadn't been something that you'd specialised in. I mean, was it easy to sort easy. of... Um... Loved it. Really? It came, came quite naturally. And because and alpines is quite a wide umbrella. Uh-huh. Um, we do have some of the real sort of treasures and the, the, the more difficult stuff. I think when we started we probably had more of those because we were only dealing with a certain number of plants right again with size it's a little bit difficult when you're dealing with more looking after those precious ones can become a little bit more time consuming yes but um we still have them but as ray said not in quantity because you you can't get the numbers out where you some don't sell because they fly at the wrong time and and propagating them can take a long time as well yeah so can you just tell me what exactly is an alpine um because is it just a plant that grows in the Alps? Um, Officially. The, the, the Alpine Garden Society sort of wound itself in knots for years about what to call itself, and they kept changing. And 
I suppose really they're, they're, they're predominantly perennials which live above the um, tree line. But of course the tree line can be at 2,000 metres in summer in some mountain ranges and at sea level in northern Norway. Yes. So basically I would say it's any, any perennial plant, mainly perennial plants, fairly small stature, they might be small in leaf form uh, or they're mounded, they're, they're adapted to quite adverse conditions. They often get a lot of, lot of UV light very quickly in a short period of time. Uh-huh. Um, generally reasonably well drained at high levels if they're on screes and in fissures and crevices and things. Um, but it, it's it, their main. I, w- I would say that we grow hardy alpines. So we d- we're not really interested in in some of the stuff that's half hardy, and we, we tend not to do some of the very rare stuff. Um, Dionysias are fantastic little pin cushion things, and they have flat, masses of flower on them. But you've really got to grow that in an alpine house, and we're concentrating in on growing things which will be hardy outdoors in a maritime climate, oh, which of course is ideal the problem. Here. You're bringing fresh air, high altitude, lots of UV light very quickly, yeah. down to sea level yes. uh, with fogs and things. And so, of course, in, in winter, the worst thing for an alpine is to sit there with its neck damp and there's fog all around it. Right. So getting the compost right and giving them some protection, uh, if you're planting them out, giving them the right conditions so they can get deep root growth in very gritty soil is important. So it, drainage is essential, obviously, from what you're saying. I would it? say, yeah, that's yeah, it's the most important thing, really. Oh, okay. yeah, and we've always grown our plants hard. Right. Um, you can get a range of alpines in any garden centre, and lots of supermarkets, um, but they will have been grown soft. They'll have been glass-grown, yeah. protected. Ours get a little bit of protection in the winter when they're young, but as soon as I can, they're out on those outside beds in the elements. And we find that our plants, they might be a little bit slower, a little bit behind those soft-grown ones, but once they're bought and planted out in the garden, um, they will do better. And we've also always been incredibly fussy about the compost we use, and we make sure we have fertiliser and it's well-drained. You can't just put alpines in any old compost right. particularly multi-purpose Multiple. you know I, th- I think i think anything. brand name multi-purposes there's good multi-purpose composts and there's bad multi-purpose composts and um the good ones are generally more expensive simple, sad, simple sad as that. but true simple as that and um <laughs> you've got to, you've got if you buy a multi-purpose for alpines you've really got to add to it particularly grit to give drainage or sharp sand Okay. And the other thing we always tell people, if you plant alpines slightly proud and you you can then put gravel underneath the actual neck of the plant, the lower leaves, it keeps them off of the wet ground in the winter. Right. Which again, you don't want um, you know, particularly grey moulds like botrytis developing, especially around cushion forming plants, because it will always develop right in the centre where you don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll never be at the edge where you can just take one piece yeah, off. Clip you, them no, it off. never does that. No, it goes <laughs> for the centre first. You know, so. Of course. So yeah, drain, drainage and, and I say the little tips like that, just plant them a bit proud and putting the gravel underneath. Right. That, that does help the um, survival rate, really, because it's... But, but, know, growing, uh, but buying a, a hardy-grown plant, yeah. not one that's been greenhouse-grown. So do you have glass plant. here? Do you grow... I mean, I know you said no. you give them a little bit of protection when they start, no. but do you, you don't do that whole... See, when I think of alpines, I think of... Oh, I've only, I don't know that much about them, in truth. But um, I've seen them at... Where? where Wisley. You, Wisley yep. and a bit at West Dean, I guess. West yep. Dean mm. Con- uh, yeah. Gardens yeah. and... I suppose Q, do Q, Q yeah, must, Q I must have yeah, seen yeah, them yeah, there, Q's I think. Got, yeah, oh, yeah, they have, they've got the yeah, alpine, yeah, haven't yeah. they? But 
Yes, so I don't that. think of alp you know alpines. I always think of as being very specialist, actually, and cosseted, and you've mm. got to be dead careful with everything because well, um, there, there are some that are. And I mean, obviously, at Wisley in the, in the Alpine House, they've got some wonderful specimens. Okay, but their outside rock garden is equally wonderful and has. Yeah. A huge variety right. growing out there, and that's stuff that's just planted and it does its thing outside. Yeah. And of course, they've got the the alpine scree beds there. They've got the new, well, relatively new alpine crevice feature, right. um, which which is which, um, where where we've been taking the alpines recently, sort of yep. through the Chelsea display. Ray's been sort of key on the crevice feature. Um, oh, and at, at Wisley, you mean? Uh, uh, well, Chelsea, Wisley have uh, got a very nice one. We've done one at Chelsea. We, we, oh. uh, when we do our trough displays at the RHS shows, we've normally just put troughs of alpines up. Um, but uh, three years ago... In 2016. We so. did... Uh, we put the troughs up as we would have done on the display, and then we built a crevice feature running through it so as if the troughs were either side of this crevice oh, feature and we planted a crevice feature up there wow. um, and that was um, got the word I want that, that helped us get our first gold <gasps> this is a whole different area now I'm getting I'm going to sh start shaking I'm very excited about the whole thing of Chelsea and gold medals that's just unbelievable just talk a little bit, if, if you don't mind, about the... Um, you were talking about the compost. Let's yes. go back to the alpines okay. and the compost. Yeah, okay. And what sort of... I mean, is that a trade secret? Am I, what, what do you put into your... What well, sort of compost would you go for? Well, we, we actually buy a, a professional grower's compost, which right. is for alpine and herbaceous and cyclamen. OK. And that's from um, Sinclair. Well, uh, Sinclair, now part of Westland Horticulture, a big Irish company. Oh, right. Uh, which is, it's, it's not a cheap compost, but it's very good. So it's, it's a great value compost. But then we also tend to add to that as well, depending on what we're going to pot into it. If you're growing, uh, th particularly things like the house leaks, the Semper Vivums, then with that, we would add quite a bit of grit to it, or perhaps perlite. Um, we want to open that right out. And again, we'd, we'd also plant them a bit proud when we go out with them, wouldn't we? And, okay. Um, if it's some of the sort of... There's one or two things. I mean, some of the little primulas, probably a bit... We probably wouldn't put as much grit in with. Um, it depends. When, to, to be fair, Wendy... It's very good at looking at something and saying bit bit more, bit less. And yeah. I should make a so right. You're the plant I should make expert. a writing down in case she ever runs out and says um, yeah. I'm running away to sea or something. And I wouldn't know what to do with the plants. But I should do that. It's where yeah. um, knowing that you've got a basically good bag of compost to start with comes yes. in. Yes. Um, I, I trust the compost. It has quite a good bark content. It has some grit content anyway. And I know as long as it's not drowned, that that compost. Uh, we add fertiliser as well, of course. Do you? Okay. Yeah, so we do. Um, so we don't feed through our watering system, as some do. Right. We actually add either a short-term or long-term fertiliser to the compost, depending when and what we're planting. Okay, so you've got to know your plant, really. You have. And yeah. would your fertiliser be something like what seaweed-based, or would it be ch uh, chicken? People use chicken pet. I don't know. What, what no. Again, it's a professional one. We okay. use an osmocote, so it's a control, control release. release. Yeah, so right. it's, it's and it is designed to control according to temperature and length of time. So it can be uh, literally short term, over a three four months period, or six month period or a 12 to 15 month period wow. and then after that do they still need feeding hopefully we've sold them by then oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what about the buyers they, oh, they well, if, if they've not sold in the year we would pot them up anyway so automatically they're going to be going into compost with fresh fertilizer 
Yeah. But if somebody buys a plant that's been potted and we've had it on the nursery for a couple of months, somebody buys it and then they plant it in their garden, that's fine. The, the garden has got the, the nutrients the plant needs. Right. So they we don't, don't continue they, they to don't need, need to... a lot oh, of food. It's okay. a fairly low level of, of nutrient we use as well. Compared yes. with somebody who's growing shrubs or herbaceous perennials, it's, yeah. it's, it's minute it's really. Okay. You don't want a lot of foliage with alpines, yeah. you want flowers. So yes. you don't overfeed. And that's the hard growing, isn't it, you that's, were talking that's about That's the hard growing, well. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most, okay. once they get onto a, into the garden really, I mean, well, I've never fed an alpine outdoors Never. really okay. right. if you go into no, troughs like you. when we, we we sell garden the troughs as well yeah then obviously that will use at some point you'll need to give that a very light feed as well okay so we're in one of your poly poly tunnels and uh, we were talking about going out into the nursery to have a look at some of the things you've all you've done a scree planting here you said a scree uh, a, a, a crevice crevice oh. feature yeah crevice feature. There is a scree bed there as well. Oh, well, look at that as well, then. Um, and uh, before it starts to absolutely tip it down, should we have yeah, a little yeah, one? Yeah. So now we're out on the nursery itself and we're looking at... Well, this is, this is a, a Welsh slate crevice feature. Right. And it's probably about four feet by about eight or ten feet. Um, mounded up, it's got very... Um, very sharp drained uh, compost on it. It's basically this is sharp sand on the top level, uh-huh. right the way through, and the small crevices allow the alpines to get their roots down. And um, given that drainage we talked about earlier is so important, so these will never really get waterlogged in the winter. No, that would just. But that is predominantly sharp, sharp washed sand as, as the uh, the planting mix. Uh-huh. Over over a mound of earth, there was mirth there, but about six inches all the way over it, uh-huh. and the crevices are, you know, an inch or two inches wide, and it just gives them. Um, it's a good way to display alpines, and it's it's quite attractive with the Welsh slate on on, nice. it, on its edge as well, makes it look good, and uh, yeah. you get a lot of nice plants in a fairly small area. Really, this this was done in back in the autumn, and we only put a few we put uh-huh. a few plants in then, yeah. and um, we'll be putting more in as we go. Yes. Lovely, and I imagine this is looks nice sort of in all weathers, really. Because if it rains, this is all going to glisten, isn't it? It is, yeah. Look, yeah, the Welsh slate looks lovely. I mean, it's that sort of greeny blue, and um, in in the the rain, it does look good. Although I wouldn't want it to rain on it as much as it has this winter too often. But uh, well, actually, on that topic, how's it been for you (laughs) with Storm (laughs) Kira and Storm Dennis? You look up the nursery, you can see our two two of our tunnels. Golly, yeah, so that's uh, those two vents. We, so we should have re- we should have replaced them last summer. We knew they, their time was up, really, and we but said, the "Oh, is fine, oh, this, isn't it? yeah, it's only it's the polythene." Just the plastic. Uh, and we said, "We said, oh, let's see if we get one more season out. If it's a mild season, we'll be okay." And we didn't. We're typical nurserymen. We make a mend and but make we, do. We were quite know. lucky because the majority of the young stock, as you can see, is behind you in that tunnel. Yes. So, um, and this one is actually full now. Gosh, how many tunnels do you have altogether? Six. Six. Okay. So that's four. Gosh, that's and that's packed. all growing on. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Um, that's all our propagation from the autumn and over the winter. Right. So the plugs, uh, you eventually stopped doing the plugs because you're not doing the wholesale yes. now. Yes. We, that... we we could drop the quantity a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. when did you change from the wholesale? When did that? Was probably come to an end. Nineteen. Probably at the end of the turn of the millennium, wasn't it? Yeah, about, about about two thousand, I would think. Right. Because the wholesale, we, when we were at Bodium, we had to run to Cranbrook to put it into the main distribution centre. Yeah. And of course, it's another ten miles now. So yeah. it, it 
and, and and we found because we were here and, and it's not this is a, I mean, this is on a road we can get people in we have a car it's park. much better retail site um, for us. people were coming yes. in and as you know just down the road there there's a caravan park as well so they come in we had holiday makers and we realized we could sell a lot more through the nursery right. and to be honest you know we didn't want to be a plant factory no when when we were wholesale we used to have what was her name i can't remember her name linda and but yeah. two or three women from the village used to come up and they they come Sand in and, and yeah and they'd come in and we'd i'd mix compost be out there early mixing compost and it, it was a plant factory yes and they, it was it was okay they were you know they were good workers and things and we worked hard but yeah then you then you're involved with committee meetings and chasing the money and yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't us really. We didn't and it's want to a be a wholesale business, isn't it? In the end, and, and also yeah. because, because Alpine's are small, you're not sort of selling a wholesale product at say two pound fifty. You're selling a wholesale product maybe at well at that time, fifty p, yeah. and you weren't getting all of that fifty p back. So you got to sell a lot of fifty p's to earn your living yes. so it's quite a hard way and when people yeah. were starting to come in the gate um, that was a much better way of making a living yes. uh, so, and that's yeah. you, you, so yeah. the, the yeah. plugs yeah. get dropped and now you're retail we're retail and, only now and, yes. and, and I propagate sell from here and the shows that we've yes. talked we, we about still buy, we still buy some plugs in but, yeah, but new a, a, stuff. Small, a small percentage now. because people want new plants you yes. know, anything interesting that's coming and we buy on. the firm plugs in to be fair uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have done some from spores, but the, the firm plugs come in from a really good grower in Holland, and he's such a nice guy as well that yeah. they come in such good qu- quantity and so uh, good a... quality that you just say, why would you even try to do it? Yeah. Uh, unless it's for interest, which we do sometimes. I have got some unusual ones that we have to split, but then, you know, if you're splitting it, you're, you've only got sort of a dozen or so you've available to yeah. sell. So, it's, yeah. um, people so how do you go about propagating your alpines? Well, what time do you sort of start all that? Is it sort of something that goes on all any time? Yeah, uh-huh. pretty much all through. I mean, the autumn will be the main time because I've got more time to yes. do that. Uh, some of them are done by division. Some of them are done by cuttings. Some of them are done by seed. Um, but there's some we propagate right through the year, some of the popular ones that we can do, or the ones that take a long time. You know, I've always got to make sure I've got a few trays coming along. Right. Um, and keeping the stock, it's, it's having the stock levels, of course, that, that becomes more difficult. Yeah. Um, the erodiums, which are beautiful little alpines, uh, which we use a lot in the troughs, I haven't got enough stock of those, so I'm always sort of thinking, cannot dare I take another six cuttings off that one? Yeah. Uh, the more unusual ones. Mm. And those are the one, the alpines are the ones that the women, she says, has a <laughs> tend to buy. They? And no, are no, they? No. Oh, no, no, all right, all right. Everybody tends to buy. Everybody. But are, are they kind of, um, you know, are they general interest gardeners who come and buy them, or are they again people who are because. Alpines are things you've kind of got to know what you're doing a bit. You don't just find an alpine ge- and chuck it in, do you? You've That's the to... general view. Pe- people are too wary of them. They're, oh. they're a much easier because they grow in high climates and take all the elements. They're actually a hardy garden plant and can be used. They don't have to be on a rockery or right. rock feature. Okay. They can be front of border. They can be in troughs. And they, they give a lot of interest. And people yeah. come in and they, they might have a perennial border and, yeah. oh, I need something low for the front. Well, the rockery and the alpine plants fit the build perfectly okay. because okay. they're going to be six inches, 30, uh, 
15 centimetres high at so the front nice of the border. So they're nice and low, but they've got to have to be And they'll spread, yeah, yeah, that's it. Excellent. Ah. So I just wondered whether you deal at all with, like, you know, fanatical collectors on the Alpine front at all. I mean, are there people who are just besotted by them? Uh, certainly they want some of the more unusual stuff I've got in small quantity and they will ring up and say, have you got? That must be um, good. But one man's unusual is another man's normal. Okay. You do find, you know, I've got stuff that I grow and I think, well, yeah, OK, I've got that. And people come in, oh, you've got that. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not... Uh, there are the real specialist ones that have to be kept in the garden, the alpine house. I, I think we, we've only had selling plants as our income for 30 odd years. There's yeah. been no other income. You know, a bit of, I might plant some stuff here and there for people who are used to in the past. Yes. Um, and I think if you're just purely a high altitude specialist nursery on alpines, you don't find many who are paying the mortgage and bringing up their kids on it. No. Because you need, the, the, the market's small. So um, I think you need to do the general stuff that, that are garden-worthy, really. Yeah. And Which has probably need... been our main aim with what we've done. You know, we want people to come in and say, yes, you can use that in a general position. The troughs, yes, you can put a trough in the middle of the garden. It might be the only one, but look what you can do with it. Yes. Um, so I think the troughs have become more important because people get smaller gardens with modern houses. Yeah. Can we go and have a look at those? Yeah, so there's not, whole... yeah, yeah certainly. There's... Yeah. Um, there's not that many planted up at the moment. We so. can show you the empty ones that are waiting to be done for Chelsea. We'll start doing them end the next month, probably. So we have the Chelsea exhibit is usually laid out in this square here because it's 15 foot by 15 foot. Um, and it takes about 28 of these troughs. Goodness. Um, and these are our old ones. These are some of the first we've made. You can see how they've weathered. They've got the moss on. So you make all of these troughs? We do, yeah. We make all of these. And if you look in this one here, where the bottom's not been moulded, you see it's polystyrene. Ah, yes. So all of these are actually a polystyrene base moulded around with the, with the mix of the hypertufa. Gosh. So you start with a, a polystyrene base and yeah, a side? Yeah, with a polystyrene well. box. Oh, the whole box. Oh, I yeah, see. Yeah, the whole box, yeah. So you get those in and then you Hastings start fish to market. build... <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, absolutely. I what I smell of fish was. <laughs> yeah, How so, fantastic. Yeah, not, not all of them. businesses helping each other. Well, That's they, brilliant. of course, when they're, when they're, if they're slightly broken or they've got a split in them, they don't want them, but we can use them. Right. And, of course, the other thing is they just go through a crusher and then they'll go to landfill. Yeah. So in this way, and, of course, polystyrene is an oil-based product, so you're recycling as well. Fantastic. And, yeah, for a, a, another form of life, really, it's you're giving it a, a whole yeah. new purpose. Mm. And you cover them with you said hypertufa yeah, what's it, that it's it's oh we use a, we use um compost from the old compost heap yeah which we sieve and sand and cement oh. uh, we t sometimes on the bigger ones i'll put um some glass fibers in as well to stop cracking but it, it's an old um alpine garden society mix from the 30s they used to cover the old butler sinks with it oh, yes. and um which, which works fine, but they weigh a ton. I mean, and these, yeah. these, these still weigh enough, but they're much lighter. For example, yeah. these ones here, which are nearly a metre long. Yes. Um, Wendy and Chris, who works for us, um, we call her the girl, but she's nearly, <clears throat> anyway, that old. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they can pick those up fully planted and move them round the Chelsea stand. I right. can show you some of the pictures. Of yes, the yeah. Last and those are lovely because they've, they've kind of got a slant to them, haven't they, at they the have, back? Yeah. You, mm. you said they were about a... 
Uh, it's about nine, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's, I think it's 950 mil that. So, okay. Yeah, so. And the, it, so when you plant them up, they, they're kind they're, of they're sloped. A yeah, slope, yeah. and you can display your. We were doing them at the nicely. shows. We've we got some big ones which are flat, and one of the judges said, oh, can't quite see the. And so we did that, and so if you put those in the centre of the stand, then it just angles towards the The one the underneath tends to go in the centre of the stand, and then we have the two wedges coming down either side, ah, so it gives a cascade. And you just see, you're just seeing Lovely. better. And, of course, if you want to put it in the garden, if you put it against the house, then yes. again you've got that. It gives it a better view, really. Yes, yeah, lovely. And then all different shapes, uh, well, sizes, not sizes, shapes. They yeah. all tend to be rectangular, don't they, they all are, of these? Yeah, much, and yeah. then they go from large down to really quite a small... The very, the very good for the Sempervivums, the house leak. So Sempervivums aren't aren't they're they're not alpines or are they yeah oh they are well yeah. i think so yeah and yeah. they're hardy they're not like the uh, echeverias which are part of the succulents which are the great rage at the, at the minute sempervivums are hardy outdoor plants okay sempervivums all, um, all come from european mountain ranges apart from sempervivum atlanticum which comes from the atlas mountains in morocco just so they, they are a hardy alpine but people yeah. think them they because they've got the same adaptations as succulents from tropical places you know they're storing that moisture for when it's yes, available they've got a similar kind of look, yeah I so guess. people think they won't be hardy but no they are they really are. hardy. Oh, right. but winter wet you know that's what will kill yeah, a semp again, every time yeah. yeah so they can cope with the cold oh yeah. As but much not, as we can throw at them. But yeah. not the wet. <laughs> absolutely. <yeah. laughs> a bit like me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, goodness, that's fantastic. So ha have you got any of these planted up? In can I? The top is when they, when they come back from the last show, we tend to raid them and propagate everything off of them. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. one of the things I would say to people is use your trough for growing your plants on. So we've grown them, we've planted them up for shows, so the plants have grown on beautifully in the troughs, so I propagate from them. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, and here you've got a stand with them all laid out ready for, for sale, I guess. That's right. These, these are our smallest size. Oh, they're lovely. Um, which are quite easy for people to pick up and take away. Right. Um, so what sort of weight would that be, Wendy? It's about 12 kilos, right. approximately. Um, but carryable you know for yeah. most people i would think and even in a, a strong carrier bag you could carry it away yeah. um it's in, enough to take five plants which would grow on probably be quite in a, happy in there for about six months but then they would need to come out they probably have got too big yeah and so in these again you've got that compost mixed up that we talked yep, about with, with the grit. grit that's right and then you've we, got a got, little um we've got a small crevice feature just to give it something to look at yeah which helps the drainage as well and then we're top dressed with the fine golden grit ah and the this little it, it's sort of like a miniature version of what that's we've just it, been looking the at big crevice but is this feature. welsh slate as well yes ah. but this is uh yeah, yeah, it, it, it's purple yeah. rather than the green yeah ah. rather than the cambrian yes beautiful it just adds so much interest to it, doesn't it? And it looks quite so fun. Yeah. yeah, quite sweet. It looks really textured. That's the other thing. Over here, we've got we've only got one bigger one planted at present. Okay, um, we'll walk over here. Oh, so, right, yeah. So that's uh, that. That's the size. I would probably try and get people to plant at uh, one of our trough, trough workshops because you get more plants in it, and that would hold those plants for probably a year to 18 months ah. without any trouble. Yes. Um, and then they've got to plant up into a bigger size. Well, or put them out in the garden. Or, 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 just, yes. or just garden them, to be yes, fair. Yeah, you yeah. can, you can yeah. cut them back as well. You don't yeah. need to um, pull them out. It's I just a matter of... And, of course, the, the, the slate, the rock work, stops some of the ones that spread more from spreading into other ones, so it yes. also gives a separation barrier between the varieties. Yeah. 
Yes. The um, ones at the back were planted up with ferns and heucheras uh, and some primroses. Um, yeah. That one was actually up at Wisley last September where we use the heucheras and the ferns because it makes very good autumn planting in the troughs. They look lovely. The ferns and the heucheras don't mind being in troughs for, for ages. Right. I've had some planted up for two years. They just need a bit of tweaking in there. Yeah. Yeah, they make a nice, um, it makes a nice container, doesn't it? It does make a nice container. uh, And uh, again, you can move them around and put them in different places as the season goes on. Well, that's really wonderful. I wonder where we should go to now. Are you all right? Do you, are you happy? Because right. I wondered yeah, if you want do, to... Um, do you want to go out and have a cup of tea or something? Uh, I'm just wondering, is there anything else outside oh, that you yeah. were particularly... We've looked at the troughs, we've looked at the... It's really the growing bed. The scree bed, the yeah. crevice. What about the, the uh, shade house up here? The shade house, the, the camellias. So the camellias are what was here when you came here, aren't That's they? That's right, yeah. 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 And when... When you moved from Bodium, what, what prompted the actual move itself? I, I can't remember if we've actually covered that bit or not. Uh, but... Well, we, we, uh, our daughter was born in 91. Right. Um, we wanted to carry on with the business, but we were renting this nursery off our landlord down there with, uh, uh, and we felt we needed to own somewhere. Yes. We, we still lived in Hastings and we were doing the commute. Oh, it was getting a little bit difficult with our daughter, although she went to school out there and had a wonderful start in a small village school. Um, we decided if we were going to progress with the business, we really needed to own somewhere we could put some right. money into. Okay. And by chance... We were looking at France, weren't we? At we the were time? looking at France, were <laughs> you? Yeah. Cheryl like, that kind of whole... oh. <laughs> yeah. And then, then we had Emily and we thought, well, maybe not. And, maybe um, not. Yeah. But, um, by chance, we Ray had done a show up at Alexander Palace with That's right. uh, mm-hmm. Alpines yeah. and everything had gone up to the show floor by lift and he had helped an elderly couple who were taking out their camellias rhododendrons and azaleas and that was Jean and logan edgar who owned this place right um and they heard we were looking for somewhere because we started looking at empty fields and then realizing the costs of setting up a nursery from scratch were going to be out of our reach yes and they said they were 80 at this time. About that, I think. And they yeah. start, shows still yeah, at that they'd, time. They'd started anyway, the nursery yeah. when they were 65. My word. And But they were thinking it was too much for them and yes. wanted to sell. And they, we came here and we looked at the site. It was literally three miles as the crow flew from where we were living. Oh, and uh, we each wrote a price in an envelope and swapped... Yeah. and settled on a figure. Um, and then the agreement was that um, Logan and Jean would stay on and handle the camellias, because I knew nothing about the camellias, right. and they would keep propagating and with that, and we would just sort of take over, which we did. Uh, and then after two years, well, Logan died, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Um, and Jean, once that happened, moved you know, away, she I moved guess. away. She's on the Isle of Wight now, still oh, going strong at great. 96. Does she ever come back to visit? No, not, she's uh, not. Too much, not yeah. Really well, I saw her last year, though. I went across <laughs> for a show and I popped in to see her, which oh, was great. That was yeah. lovely yeah, for her really, to hear how it's all yeah, going. Yeah, it was really good, yeah. yeah. She's still bright as a button, obviously Fantastic. a bit frailer, but um, yeah. she was so so on the ball mentally. Yeah. <laughs> Quizzing you closely about her camellias, no doubt. So many things wrong, I'm sure. 
but we really got into the camellias and, and we propagated like mad and we had young plants. And of course, Logan was one of the first people to grow the autumn flowering camellias in this country, Camellia sasanqua, which are the scented ones. Right. Um, and we propagated and grew and then we had a couple of quite bad winters and realised that all this stock we had was sitting there and we weren't selling it. Mm. Um, we sort of tailed back on the propagation. Mm. Um, and then in the last few years, we've had a lot of good springs, but everybody's wanted camellias, yeah. particularly sasanquas. And I haven't had the stock, and we're quite low now, but I'm, I've got a lot of... I had good success on cuttings last year. I'm hoping I've got good success this year. So we're building that side back up right. a bit. It's, it's much more difficult than trying to predict an alpine or perennial sale. An alpine you, is ready in six weeks. A camellia takes two you know, years. Right. From and cutting from, to sale. Yeah, yeah. Really? Golly. Yeah. I can show you. Yeah. So but they've become very popular, haven't they, camellias? People are um, keen to have them. They, they, I suppose because they're so early flowering, really, is it? They, well, they are, yes. And if they flowered in the, in the summer, they'd be the most popular shrub in the country. Yeah. They flower uh, for three to know, four months. Really... There's not many shrubs that do. No. And have, then they're evergreen, got... aren't they? Yeah. All mostly. Oh, all. Have we got ah. Yuletide has got one flower left, and that obviously oh, yeah, flowered that, in yeah. late November, and we're just losing the last flower now. Oh my goodness! So, okay. uh, I mean, we planted a lot out. So we'll have so a... you can see. Yes, you've got a... and a lot of these. Are, I mean, that single red there is very unusual. That's Kimberly. That's a very common one. That's inspiration, widely available in the trade. Uh-huh. Um, that's Showgirl. She's been out since November, the pink She is one. a showgirl, isn't she? Isn't that beautiful? Those single ones. Is it single? I can't uh, see. That's them. a semi-double. Semi-double. It's yeah. beautiful, that delicate pink. Then over here we've got um, Francis Hanger. It's single white is very early. Gorgeous. Dr Burnside's a good red. The, the very sad-looking one, I have to say, this is Bokahan. Yeah, um, this bed is now overgrown, overplanted. But that is a really quite unusual camellia. Oh. Um, Roy Lancaster rang me up. He would like this plant. Really? <laughs> um, I, I'm trying. Horticultural to... royalty <laughs> we're talking <laughs> now, aren't we? My word. He's probably the most well-respected presenter or horticulturist in the country by the trade. Is yeah. he? Bar none. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. If, you, if Roy Lancaster wants to do a piece on you at Chelsea, you don't need to tell him anything. He, he knows it. Some of the others perhaps need more researchers, shall I say, diplomatically. Yes. Yes. No, he is, well, he's, yeah, he's a fabulous wow. bloke as well. And why is he particularly interested in... Sorry, what did you say the name was? It's called Bokahan. Um, well, it's this single, and if you look, most uh, stamens in the middle are yellow. But if you look, you've oh, got the white end, so it just yeah. gives it such an unusual beautiful, look. Beautiful, beautiful But this thing. is not a happy plant. I had one in a pot that died, and this one Oy. is looking happy. So will so, you be able to uh, yeah. take a cutting for him? I've taken some. Um, so. I'll keep fingers crossed that they're, they're yeah. going to be all right. I think, it, yeah. I think it's just we need to we need get to back in, cut it back hard. When we planted these in, they were this high. Really? <laughs> we we yeah. did these about 15 years ago. Yeah, and they've, got, they've been a bit neglected, to be fair. We need to get in there and sort those yeah. out. Um, but we actually got camellias that you, you, that you can't find. I mean, Gene and Logan had a good collection. We've got more planted out in the garden. Um, to try and keep those unusual ones alive. Yes. You can't keep them in pots forever. How um, many do you think you've got? How many different types of camellia? At one point, I had about 250, <gasps> 300. Different types? Yeah, different names. Yes, cultivars, yeah, I suppose, yeah. 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 Wow. And I mean, there's two there. There's um, Margaret Hertricht and William Hertricht. And Margaret is that one that's flowering now. Mm. Um, and Jean said to me, 
we can't propagate it. It just will not root. And no, it will not root. Oh. So there's two plants there, but... Yeah. Yeah, so. we're, we're putting a lot of them down now into the garden at the house. Um, the, the, this was we, the place where we built the house is quite a sloping site, so we've cut and filled, and we've got places to fill soon. Still, so I'm moving the old compost heap yeah. by Barrow at the moment round there and filling the gap, and then we're planting <laughs> the camellias down. Good How good grief! How far does that extend to the hedge line? That's, that's <laughs> the top of the nursery. There's meant to be a machine coming in shortly. Hopefully, <laughs> no, the machine is you. Yeah, well, it has been, but it keeps me fitter. So. <laughs> But it means we get all these ones back in the ground and then oh, um, right. at the very least we'll catalogue them because I'm a man. And, um, <laughs> it's your collection, of course collection, it is. Collection, catalogue yes, that's collect. it. Yeah. One of the problems. we can tell the Camellia Society where they are so if nothing else they'll know that some varieties are available here. Okay. Um, because that's the aim of most of the societies is to make sure the plants are available somewhere. Right. And you know, get them spread round so there's protection for them as well. Yes. So, like yes. Bokahan, you see. They, yes, yeah. they need to know. Yeah. So, and I mean, now we're in a shade house. 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 Isn't this nice? Ray built this. <gasps> it's gorgeous. I think I'd just have a have your table out here. And you could... <laughs> it has, we used to have a swimming pool here. Did you? But one of those, not a grand one, one of those inflatable ones, but <laughs> oh, it was so nice. nice. And yes. in, One year in August, our daughter was young. We were all in the pool. I think we just got a gin and tonic, actually. <laughs> and somebody it's came in better and was, better. was walking up here and said, excuse me, is anybody serving? <laughs> <laughs> no, help yourself. So we said, what, gin and tonic or plants? <laughs> so, Both, please. Yeah. Right, so this is where they all this sit. This is where we normally keep all the ferns. Okay. But because we've had the disasters over there with the tunnels, we've yeah. actually moved uh, the camellia stock over here. Okay. So this is sort of the smaller stock you would normally sell, right. the two litres, four litres. So we, we, you can see we're quite low. These are the larger ones. Now, this is why growing camellias that you don't sell is a problem. You've got to pot them up, and yes. suddenly you've got big plants that are taking plants, up a lot, a lot of, of room. space. But aren't they beautiful? My word. Nagasaki over there. What's it's it called? Nagasaki. Oh, it looks like ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> it is beautiful. Gorgeous it's... things. So, and the colours are so vivid, aren't they? A mm. lovely deep pink. What's this one here? This is Dona Hatsilia de Megalas. Crikey. It's a Portuguese uh, camellia. Wow. Uh, yes, yeah, it's a big, 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 beautiful. Big beautiful. Lots of camellias in Portugal and northern Spain, Galicia. Oh. A very, very, lot of them were bred there, very popular over there. And um, because of the Portuguese seamen, you know, the seafarers were the first ones out to the Far East, so they were bringing them back before anybody. Okay, because um, so, that's where they're from originally. Yeah, isn't China, it, but, Japan, yeah. down through, well, right down and through into Vietnam. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot, lot, quite a wide distribution, but of course, not all of them are hardy. So, um, but that's why there's so many in Portugal, and it gets quite wet on that Atlantic coast, which they like the warmth and the and the and the moisture. Mm. So, really, pretty much the opposite to alpine. So, yes. we've, we've chosen two really good things. <laughs> two extremes. Yeah, so. um, do camellias need a particular type of soil? Yes, yeah, neutral to slightly ericaceous. So um, that's more acidic. Is yes, it? ericaceous. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, they, Wild of Kent and Sussex, where we are, going up through north, you know, up towards Tunbridge Wells from Hastings. Absolutely ideal, but obviously on the Eastbourne Downs or around that that 
round um, Brighton and through that Lewis and things, not so good. But it's you too can chalky in there, is it? Yeah, it is, and they're thin sores as well. They need okay. a bit of, um, need sort of body. They want, yeah. Moisture. It, the summer's and, important. Yeah. They, they, they don't want to be dry in the summer. If you get camellias drying out in the summer, that's why they drop their buds. That's why if people are growing camellias in pots and they go, oh, the buds always fall off, it's because they've not watered properly in the summer. So are they better off really in the ground? Um, When when they're bigger, definitely. Right. Um, You know, they they get away. Yeah. You can make a hedge of them. I mean, uh, Jean, who had the nursery, she lived in a flat, garden flat, and the garden was hedged on three sides but with camellias. Fabulous, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, gorgeous. Of course, in China and Japan, some of these are hundreds of years old, some of the camellias at the temples. And you can can actually... um, cut them back down from old wood which is maybe six inches thick to nothing almost and they'll regenerate they're incredibly tough yes every every leaf has a growth point you can see that's growing already oh yes so if if i were to break that there then these growth points would all start coming out yeah they they can be really be um, cut back hard yes i think because the flowers look exotic people have scared of them well yeah. and they're actually a tough shrub tough yeah exactly so i you i know you said they came from japan and china originally and i guess that's the sinet camellia sinensis and japonica uh, sinensis is the tea plant oh that's what you get your tea from camellia sinensis completely different thing altogether it is yes yeah, sasan- it's not, sasan- not very hardy oh okay camellia sasanqua is generally japanese i think sasanqua. Yeah. japonica mm-hmm. is the is mainly from china oh they're, they're, that's where they're from yeah right um, and then there's reticulata. There's about 169 different uh, species in the genus. And what are the best ones for Joe Public to... Um... Well, the, the japonicas, which have all the variety of the colours, very popularly grown are the, what they call the Williams eyes, which right. are japonica cross luensis. Um, and they, people like them, they have a smaller, like this, they have a thinner leaf, not yes. big fat leaf. Ah, oh, OK, like so o- it's much more there. sort of spear-like, really, that, this, isn't right. it? And yeah. they tend to shatter their flowers. Now, mm. some people like their flowers to shatter and fall off. Right. Other people prefer to deadhead like you would a rose. Right. Um, but uh, the Williamsi eyes are generally pink or white. There's mm-hmm. the odd red but not many. And then you talked about sasanquas. Sasanquas, these are the autumn flowering ones. Right. Um, there's quite a range, generally pink and white, but they have a fragrance. I can show you a yeah. sasanqua and you can have a smell. Mm. Um, and they flower between September and February, depending, because there's a few hybrids. Yes. Um, and they're the ones that are gaining popularity quite quickly, but they, they need a little bit more warmth than the japonicas and a little bit more sun. Okay. In the summer. But generally, people planting them in their gardens or putting them in pots, they should try to keep them a little bit shady. A L- little bit of shade is always and good. Water, yeah. is always good. And feeding? Um, if they've been in the ground a long time, maybe a bit of fish blood bone meal okay. to top them up. But on the whole, no. Yeah. Uh, camellias are salt sensitive, so if you overfeed them, they won't be happy. They'll get brown tipping on the leaves. Okay. This one on the corner of this bed, oh. which again we're hoping to move one of these because that one's starting to pick up. These are what they call a basket camellia. This is quintessence. Crumbs, I've never even heard of a basket camellia. And, look and can at you it. see the habit? It's sprawling, isn't it? All over. 
Oh my word, that smells beautiful. And you can see the amount of buds it's got on it. Now, what, what was that one again? It's called Quintessence. Quintessence. And it's a Saluensis cross. Okay. I can't remember what it's crossed with. No, I can't well, No, I can't remember. <laughs> well, I've, ne- I've never seen one yeah. growing like this. It, but you... it, 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 it's fabulous. And it, yeah. on, a, on a sunny day, you can walk by and you'll get And you'll them. get the smell. Oh, yeah. how lovely. And it's full of bud. Absolutely full. It's just... So how, when did that start flowering? Uh, about two weeks ago. Oh, and we'll go on until... Quite a long time from the look of that, until yeah. about April, I would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you uh, just leave it then, leave it over the. We do. It just so sits, on. and you that's just... in bright. Uh, that's out in full yes, sun, it, it and, it, and it would be better with a little bit of shade. That one was as poor a specimen. The leaves are more green because we do tend to have a table in front of it, <laughs> so it's giving it a little bit more protection. But that one's coming back, and we'll probably try and get that one out of there. And there's, yeah. there's always else. a bit of a trade-off with camellias. If, if you have them in really deep shade, you'll get lovely deep green leaves. You won't get as much flower. Oh. So it's trying to get that warmth and a bit... It needs some sun, particularly the japonicas and the sasanquas, I think. Yeah. Um, but it is always a trade-off, it isn't it? It is a trade-off. You know, yeah. you've, it's like all gardening. You're, you're trying to squeeze what you want into... Some, a plant into somewhere you want it to be rather than where it would naturally develop. Yes, so, um, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't mind in nature if it didn't have as many flowers, but, of course, you want it yes, to have, we, so you yes, have to trade-off. Do you want to yeah. see the cuttings from last year? Yes, please. in here have been taken these were taken 15 months ago right so they were taken september august september uh 18 and that's how big they are now they're rooted yeah um we've just popped them into those pots and they're starting to grow on most of them are all right yeah. i should de bud them but i haven't got around to it and those are one year older Gosh. So once they get the roots down, they actually put growth on. Yes. But those, this year, will put them into the next size up and hopefully they'll sell the following spring. But that gives you an idea of yeah, how long, long we... It's time, a long it? progress yeah. process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although, at the moment, I've, I've got quite a lot of sasanquas in this area and I've, people have been ringing me up for sasanquas and I'm selling them at this size yes. under strict instructions keep it in that pot and I'm afraid if it fails yes that's down to you quite often Comedia society members though aren't they they want the variety they are, they so want they're used to growing things on I'd as like well, to come on to the societies <laughs> I guess you must you've obviously said you know you have got a lot to do with them with the various things um, but the other thing I was going to ask you about was the, go on to the ferns to, uh, to have a, oh, okay. another look at the yes can yeah, we do we that yeah. but you've got your alpines in here too yeah, these are youngsters. We're, we're, yeah. um, we're just keeping oh, them out lovely. of the wet, really. Is this a, an alpine? An auricula? It count, it's a, a primula gold lace. It, it classifies oh, it's a primula. as... Oh, OK. Yeah. This is a Japanese primula as well, this one coming through. Which oh. the name's good, it's a Sebaldii. It's a varieties. Um, yeah. So that'll come up with a frilled flower as well, so... Gosh. And they're, they're just, just a species form, it's a white. There's several in the national collection. Um, which I think is down in Devon now. Um, but, uh, Here's a nice little one. It's just not quite in flower. This is now that's one that people sort of are worried about. It, that, this has a little frilly flower. Bell. Um, it's a soldanella. Oh, they're um, so sweet, aren't they? That's, um, 
And have you got any of the plant you were talking about that you love? No, apparently we haven't anymore. Oh, you haven't got any? Oh, that's that then. I thought we had. Look at the colour of this. That's zingy, isn't it? If we had, it would be on the ground Oh, you wouldn't be able to see it. What's this one? That's Saxifraga cross of gold. That's quite a nice little Saxifraga. Quite easy. little bit of shade, though, because of the gold leaf. It prefers a little bit of shade. It just shines, doesn't it, here? And those are aquilegia, are they? Yes, it's a dwarf aquilegia. Yeah, are they? Okay. Fantastic. And the little Veronica Georgia Blue flowering oh, now. Just that, that coming flowers, out. Isn't that lovely? That flowers 11 months of the year. That's a really good. Now, it comes under the um, alpine rockery plant umbrella, but that is a fantastic ground cover, evergreen, yeah. flowers forever, sun or part shade. And it was Veronica... Georgia, Georgia Bloom. Georgia Bloom. OK. Uh, well, that's where I come on to the hard question. What are your favourites? Oh. <laughs> I'm afraid so. You have to answer that. Oh, it's no. compulsory. That makes us the most money. Yes. We like to make us the to, most money. Yes, all I right. I have to say Veronica Georgia Bloom is one of my favourites. Right. Um, In terms of being... Uh, a really good garden a plant. A good plant. plant. Yeah. Um, and good for someone who doesn't know a lot about alpines as well. Yes, that would be a good yes. one to go Another, for. The Armerias, again, um, not a difficult um, lot to grow, but mm -hmm. I'm looking in my trays ready, I wonder. That's the Veronica. Again. Yes. Um, yes. This is Armeria Bevan's variety, and it's a dwarf, it's a dwarf thrift to see the sea thrift oh yes but that's as high as it will get it has little pink flowers to get studded with i might have some that are just coming out on the bed they, they haven't mm. um another one of my favorites that's arenaria montana now this has saucer white flowers um bright white needs a sunny position trailer good in a trough Edge of a wall, excellent, excellent plant. Yeah. Um, the, the, this is my favourite. Yeah. This is as a man's plant. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> it's not even a fern. It's um, Scloranthus uniflorus from New Zealand. Scloranthus. Scloranthus. Yeah, uniflorus. So, yes. it's, but it's a very tiny little white flower, which is pretty insignificant, really. Yes. But you grow it, it, it will form. If you can put that next to a soft rock like the limestone tufa. Yes. It will grow right over that, and you'll just get these fantastic hummocks, which is what you see in the Southern Alps in places. Right. And that, that's a brilliant plant. You can make all sorts of shapes of that. And the, the bonsai growers and the, the guys who like Japanese gardening often buy it because they use it as moss balls, oh. which is a, rather than losing that afterwards. So, so they use it to create that impression of those rounded moss balls that yeah, they use. because it's very sort of... Um Oh, low, yeah, and low, very low, yeah, isn't yeah, it? it is, yeah, it very, I mean, it's a tiny, tiny little leaf, and that would just slowly spread, and that, yeah. that's a really lovely plant. Yeah. And this is another good one. This is the Houstonia. Flowers early, it'll flower oh. through till May, and this will get masses of these little blue four-petaled flowers on it. Yeah, they're just beautiful. They're, you know, it's so tiny. And there's such a range of foliage types, isn't there? You know, you've got the kind yeah, of um, yeah. albretia-type ones, which I guess, yeah. is that a dwarf? Again, yeah, again. special one. Yeah, it's just well, Albrechtia is a, is a rockery alpine oh, plant. Okay. Really. Yeah. So, okay. Um, yeah, and then but, you've uh, got these sort of look glaucous-coloured ones. What's this one? Co this is Cochula. This is probably one of our best sellers. Is In it? the um, from about May, it'll throw up little wiry stems with a 
yellow bobble on the end. Mm -hmm. I'll show you a picture. And people love it. it, it it's so sweet. It's yeah. just yellow bobbles. And then you come on to this sort of thing, which is quite different, isn't it, in, in the, the way yes. the leaves are... are... This, this is an interesting one. This is the Burgeranthus. Um, it's a succulent. I do keep these in in the winter because it, it has got the fleshy leaves. But oh. this has a yellow daisy. It's orange-backed opens to bright yellow but it opens in the afternoon oh and i think it opens in the afternoon because of whatever pollinates it will come yes, out in the afternoon yes. but i'm not sure right well they look beautiful and you, you just do want to touch all of them don't you you run your hand over the whole lot <laughs> great thank you so now we're into your area ray <laughs> The shade house. <laughs> the shade house again built, and the, I built it, really. and the ferns. Yeah, I, I, I think that I was instrumental in bringing them in, really, but um, Wendy probably knows more about them because does uh -huh. on most plants. But I just, you can see outside there, this is the tree fern I talked about. I so did, that, I wondered if that was yeah, your tree fern. Yeah, and those fern. are last year's fronds. Um, and so it's got about, it's probably about six foot trunk, no, no about five foot trunk now, so maybe I bought a seven foot trunk. You um, put your hand in, you can feel the new monkey fingers in there. Ooh, monkey fingers. Yeah, they'll feel hairy. Oh, right, put my hand, oh my word, you can as well. Yeah, they're the new ones. So it's, it's just about, it's a bit smaller than, well actually the leaves are taller than me. So it's, yeah, lovely. Gosh. Let's probably put on about a foot of trunk or so. The, the, Probably put on about that much since we bought it. So uh, each of these gradually, it, it, as the fronds die, this comes up. Yeah, spectacular, so, isn't it? That. It's fab yeah, I love it. Yeah, and that, that's the reason we we started doing ferns, so we can plant them round it. Yes. So although a lot of those are deciduous ferns, all around here will come out later. And um, this is um, this one here, which is just brown now. That's the uh, royal fern, it was Osmonda regalis. And because it likes a lot of moisture, and this is actually a fairly dry area, I've lined the, the hole where I plant it with plastic. Right. And that will come up, and these the fronds from that can come up and pierce through five or six feet higher through through the uh, tree fern. Wow. This is how we get our Dixonias now. We get the young ones, um, wow. and that hasn't even got a trunk yet. But interestingly enough, the, the fronds will grow bigger, whereas the trunk will take about a quarter of an inch a year. You can see the little monkey fingers down yeah. there. So that's not going to go um, so, go fast, is it? That one, <coughs> and that's called Dixonia Antarctica. Antarctica. Same yeah, as the big the same one. As that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that one there, with a an eight, say with probably an eight foot trunk, is probably eighty to hundred years old. Is it from that size? Yeah. Yeah. Spectacular. Have you seen these in their native? I have. Yeah, in Victoria. Yeah, and um, out in the where they log the, the, the forest, these are an understory plant. The story goes that, um, I mean, the Belitho family in Cornwall, who set up Barclays Bank, they, their estate there, his name, I think it's Trewidden, they, because they had ships going out to the Far East and Australia, they said that they brought them back as ballast on the way back to keep the ballast in the bottom of the boat when they didn't have full cargoes. But whether that's true or not, I don't know. But certainly I went out with my cousin and he showed me where they grow naturally, which is... Um, on the, I um, can't think what they call the name, the lovely road down from South Australia to Melbourne and then through the, the coastal areas and just inland. Right. Which hopefully isn't all burnt. I've not heard from him. But, yeah. uh, 
Um, yeah, so I have seen them out there, and some of them are 20 foot trunks, so they'd be that 200 be years old. But it's, it's, it's lovely and it's warm in the winter, which is why I always used to ask to go south with the shipping companies. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, lovely. And so, which are your particular favourites for ferns then? Do you just like, like all of them, or are there. No, I think I've got favourites. Um, the Dryoptris erythrosaura, which comes through with the sort of uh, the the reddy tinged uh, new fronds and then they go turn green that's a Japanese one can go up to about two feet but you won't see it now because these are just di- these are just dull because there's no growth yet mm. but that can go up to two feet that's very nice what's that one called again uh, Dryopteris erythrosaura righty it sounds like a dinosaur yeah <laughs> the ferns <laughs> are always yeah the bottom of the ferns is always a bit peculiar isn't it yeah because um, obviously they're not flowering and um um, you know, you've got all these different uh, botanical terms that most of us learn, stigma and pollen and things, but they, of course they have none of that. So, um, no. But uh, they're, they're interesting botanically. Yes. And of course they're, um, they're probably they're a lot older than the flowering plants. Yeah, yeah. That that's one of them, polystick and polyblepharum, that's one of the best evergreens probably. And funnily enough, look, it's, you can tell it's been mild, that's, there are all the new shoots coming yes, up already. starting already. already. Um, but that, that's evergreen, really evergreen. You have glossy, glossy green leaves the whole year. Gorgeous. And sorry, that one was? Polystichum polyblepharum. Oh, it's mm. like learning a new language, mm. isn't it? My word. It's all Latin. Yes, oh yes. <laughs> it's a very old language, really. Yes. But I mean, it's just yeah, getting your head round it, isn't it? Of course, to... some of these here, although they're not showing very much now, um, these are all the, the native heart's tongues varieties. So yes. The Splenium scolopendrium, the native heart's tongue, and then you have some with the serrated edges, some with the fishtail end, which is, um, Wendy, what's that one called, quick? Christartum. Christartum and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and Gustifolium. Um, so um, they're, they're really nice, and that's, uh, yeah. that's another Japanese one that Wendy's just picked up. That's uh, Cartomium fulcatum. And that's, that's a really nice, interesting, because it's so structural. Yes. You know, if you've got the feathery ones like the dry Yeah, they're all very yeah. different, aren't they? Again, yeah. once you start really you looking closely yeah. at yeah. them. Yeah. This is a British native, Asplenium, Asplenium trichomanus. That's the one you often see or varieties of it in the, in the, in the walls, and particularly in the West Country. Oh. Of course, as you, as you come further east, a lot of the native ones don't grow quite as well. Um, you need a bit more shade. But in the West Country, where it is a lot moister, they do better sometimes. And then whenever I go up to Hyde Hall for a show and I find people from Essex and Suffolk buying ferns, I think that's a classic of the English gardener. I will make this grow, although I know it shouldn't where I am, you know. You, want, uh, you always want what you have Yeah, got, you do. And, uh, but I always say, well, you're the driest county in the, in the country and this needs damp. <laughs> oh, I think I've got a spot. I'll remember to yeah, water I'll, this I'll every that. day yeah. without yeah. fail. Yeah, right. Yeah, but that's a lovely little one. That's pretty much its maximum size, about six oh, inches. Yeah, it's beautiful. But, um, and also useful for the troughs. Yeah, oh, you okay. The trough or a little crevice feature right. on, the, on the shady side. So these ferns need damp, not shade, all of them. not, not some, all. Um, some. Yeah, some shade. Different different ones need different amounts of shade, really. Yes. And some like it quite dry, but other ones would want quite a bit of moisture. Right. There's the regal fern, the Osmunda, that needs to be damp, and the Ethereums need to be damp. Um, so we've got Osmunda underneath the tree fern. Yeah. Um, that, those stalks, because it's a deciduous one. Yes. But it's actually planted in a black pot bag. Mm. Yeah. So it holds the water. Guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Underneath. Lovely. Um, would you like to have a cup of tea? I'd love a cup of tea if that's all right. Mm. 
in your house now, Wendy, and it's a beautiful, the sun's out, we've got blue sky and um, a lovely uh, view out of your fantastic oak-framed um, entrance here. Um, I was thinking about the way that you um, advertise your plants. You obviously have people coming to the nursery and you sell locally as well, do you? In uh, we have markets and so on? Uh, yes, we do a farmer's market at Lewis okay. twice a month. Uh -huh. um, the Battle Farmer's Market closed quite a few years ago. And until last September, we did have a stand that we opened in Hastings every day um, uh, who, and a, our florist ran that for us. She was down there every day. Mm -hmm. um, but we took the decision that uh, the coming autumn, winter would be difficult down there and the costs were going up and I think everybody knows the high street's failing somewhat. Yeah. So we took the decision to close it, but after 10 years, in a way, that was a little bit of a relief. Yes, that's <laughs> a good long time. So, um, and you also travel around to shows. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about We do, we do a lot of shows. We've done shows from the start. I mean, you know, when we started, there weren't that many shows, and no. then they all started coming along, Hampton Court. We were at the first Hampton Court. Um, later, when, once we moved here, we got into Chelsea. But also, you had the rise of plant fairs, um, and many of them we've done from the start. I mean, running through some of the best ones you've got um, in April, just locally, the Great Dixter Plant Fair, which has been quite a recent phenomenon, but very well attended. Yeah, it's huge, isn't excellent, it? Now, excellent, excellent. Yeah. We used so to. Did you? Did you? Uh, were you involved with the Christopher Lloyd? I didn't know Christopher Lloyd so much, but I know. Um, Oh, name's gone straight out of my head, Vergus quite well, <laughs> um, and then he sort of talked to us down in town as well, because obviously he live, lives locally, so we know oh, Fergus, okay. that's fine, yeah. um, and it is literally 15 minutes up the road and two yeah. minutes from my, where my mum lives, so, oh, right. which is quite nice. Yeah, wonderful. Um, we used to do a, a show at Savile Garden, Windsor, yes. till a few years ago, and then they stopped that, that was one of the best one-day fairs of the year. Oh. Um, you can sell at these places. You sell at all these. Oh, no, you're taking to sell. Uh -huh. um, one that's been running for, I'm not sure how many years now, about seven, eight years, is the Floral Fringe, which was at Nep Castle. Yes. Uh, last year went to Ambley Museum. Yes. But this year, very excited because it's going to be at Leonardsley. Are you going to go? Yes, to we, we oh. know Jean uh, very well um, and really looking forward to Leonardsley. Amberley wasn't ideal. No. Um, from the plant selling and also it was very hot that weekend but they yes. always get hot weather but it's a beautifully attended fair it's different it's fun yes. um, very nice she's she's done a podcast has she yes, yes. She's, so you, you um, uh, oh right yeah I no no I will <laughs> yeah no no really really interesting fair yes. um, then one again we've done from the very start we did it when I think it was a hardy plant society fair and I think it's now 26 years is the Gilbert White Museum in Selborne right. on the edge of Hampshire and that's the always the Father's Day weekend in June again they always get good weather it's a Fabulous place oh. and a lovely fair, always well attended. Right. Um, Westine stopped now, that used to be a good fair. And unfortunately, Parham Park has uh, didn't run last year for the first time in oh. 25 years. Um, and that was a shame because Parham Park is a beautiful place to have a fair as yes. well. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a gap now. Yeah. Um, 
but the uh, NCCPG shows uh, run at Hyde Hall in Essex. Mm -hmm. uh, we attend that one. We also do the Surrey one at so Denby's. What's NC I'm just trying to work out what NCCPG National is. Council for the Conservation of Plants and Gardens. Right. Uh, tend to be small sort of plant fairs with people selling more unusual stuff. Mm -hmm. um, then there's also the Surrey NCCPG, which is held at Denby's Vineyards at Box Hill. We attend that one. As well as the RHS ones, obviously, JLC. You're busy, aren't you? Do you ever have a weekend off? <laughs> From April, hopefully not. No, no, it, we, we like I'll April, May, yeah. June, July to be full. Yes. Um, yeah. I think our first one this year is actually March. We're at Wisley for the Mar Wisley Spring Fair. Okay. And that's the 20th of March. So, yeah, there's plenty, plenty there to do. Yeah. And... Chelsea is a whole different deal altogether, isn't Chelsea it? Chelsea starts haunting your dreams about now. <laughs> are you going to do it this year? We are in again. Oh, we are. did think that last year was maybe our last one, but we applied and we're in and we're oh, going to right. do it again. Um, so tell me about the, the background to all that. What, what um, you know, how, when did you start going to Chelsea? And we, You have to apply oh. and you have to be accepted. Right. And we actually first went 18 years ago um, and got in and our first medal was the silver gilt that's uh, terrific nobody though. had done a, a trough display before um, and it, it went quite well I can't remember why it wasn't the gold but we were new to it then and were delighted with the silver gilt it, it really yeah. was good yeah. but I look at the pictures of the display now and I think oh and I've got conifers in it and oh it's terrible but, um, that's, but that's how you evolve isn't it yeah, as well it you know that's what was um, and then we've done it on and off ever since. Um, if you get silvers, you tend not to be in the following year. We've had a couple of silvers for various reasons. Um, one of the silvers we got was actually covered on television, and we had the trough display. But on the base, for some reason, that eludes me now, rather than just doing our grit base as we would normally do, we thought it would be quite artistic if we did three different colours of grit on the base, which the judges didn't like at all. However, it was covered by Roy Lancaster, who said it was one of the best trough displays he'd ever seen, which was... High praise. Yeah, which best. was a consolation. Yes, <laughs> but then um, Ray had come up with the idea of building a crevice garden. Crevice is very much uh, a modern thing, a modern way to display your alpines. And he said it would be brilliant if we could d build a crevice garden at Chelsea. That's putting the, putting the slate on the edge. Slate in, yeah. And obviously the weight of slate is huge. Yeah. So we thought, could we just incorporate it so it looks like we've got this crevice feature running through the troughs and plant that up there. So the slate has to be taken up, put in position, filled, and then we plant. Um, but we actually grow the plants in long, thin sections so we can pull the root out and the root is a, a thin trail that just drops down into right. the slate. Um, the finishing is quite hard. Yes. Um, you've got to do vertical little bits of slate and make it look natural. Yes. Um, I'll show you some pictures. Um, but the, uh, Chris, who works for us, our girl, as we call her, yes. uh, is a brilliant finisher. She, oh, she likes things to look perfect and a lot of our medal success has to be put down to her because she will not let one little thing go if it's not perfect. How, how much help do you get? I mean, is Chris, just Chris that helps? Just Chris on the nursery, but um, if Ray's setting up Chelsea, he has to have somebody else to unload the troughs because the troughs are all planted here, which is one of the 
good things for us. At least we can plant the plant bit here where we can run around and choose and change if we need to. Yes. Uh, and then Ray takes the planted troughs up. Uh, then there will be another journey up with this slate and the two men will get that all in position and then Chris and I will go in to do the finishing. We do the planting and the finishing of the troughs once they're all in position. Mm. And for Chelsea, that's actually two and a half days' work, yeah. believe it or not, because yeah. no, there's no, about no. 28 troughs on the display. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So how much time does it take you all together, would you say? I mean, because you've got all the other stuff to do as well. Mm, uh, well, the planting on and off takes me two to three weeks. Yeah. Because I, I start planting beginning of April, but invariably, weather circumstances, I will have to change stuff yes. uh, right up to the last minute. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wouldn't like to say how many days. Yeah. <laughs> More, more, than, <laughs> more than you care to yeah, think. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. So ha can I ask you how many gold medals you've had? At Chelsea, we've had two or three. Goodness. Yeah. yeah. So the cre and it was the Crevice Garden. They loved the Crevice oh, Garden. Okay. Yeah. That was the uh, thing. And then at Hampton Court, likewise. Um, although we'd had gold before the Crevice Garden at Hampton Court, but we have been doing the Crevice at Hampton Court as well. Yeah. Um, and we are the first, it was in the Alpine Garden Society magazine, we were the first nursery ever to build a Crevice Garden at Chelsea. So, wow. very pleased. Forge the trail. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, and are you very involved with the societies that you've spoken of? Oh, sorry, just one other thing I wondered about Chelsea. Is it just the Alpines that you're exhibiting there? Do, do you do your ferns? And no, your, no. I mean, I do just... use the odd fern in mm. the troughs, but uh, no, it's mainly the alpines and, and plants that will be suitable to grow in a trough. Yeah. Obviously, you've got to have suitable plants in your troughs, else you would lose points for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, sorry, then going on to your, the societies, are you you're very involved in... Not in the Alpine Garden Society shows as such, because no. they, they are looking for alpine house stock right. more than we are, although we have done a couple in the past. Um, but not, not as such. But they do follow us. I've got on Instagram, and last year's Chelsea was well covered on by them on their website. Mm, so that was really. nice. And what about the Camellia Society? The Camellia Society less than we did, um, and that is merely because the RHS don't hold the shows at Vincent Square anymore, because oh. they used to have a show every month at Vincent Square, and with the Sasanka camellias coming out in October, we invariably would do the November show and the December show with Sasankras. And again, blow one's trumpet, we're the only nursery to uh, get a silver medal for a single species camellia. We put a whole uh, display of camellia Sasanka up. Um, but camellias are very difficult to exhibit because they bruise in transit. They've got to be in flower because you've got to get those flowers up there on the day in Everything without being looking. bruised um <laughs> and one february show we were down to do because we would do the japonicas in february march and april mm. and it was a snowy february and we we were going to pull out and they said well if, if you can come please come and i actually had all the plants in the house here mm. and we wrapped all the buds in toilet paper before they went on the van to try and protect them from the cold and the bruising on the way up. Wow. Dedication. Can't remember the medal. <laughs> yes. Zero, dear. What, what are your top 
uh, plants for you, but you know, have you been out on the? You said these are the five tough ones that you, you yes, think, but that would be feasible for anybody to have a go at. You know, what are your special plants? The things that you're so more delighted about than others, because either because you've propagated them, they've been successful, or I very difficult to say when we, we're growing so many. Yeah, um, I have. If anything, there's combinations of plants that I like, right. um, particularly in the troughs, and plants that you know will always perform for you. Um, erodiums, the, the small hardy geraniums, are excellent uh, for giving colour. Uh, they're evergreen, they're tough, um, and they perform for a long time. It, very good in troughs. One of the exhibits we did at Chelsea, I think we had five of the troughs were just erodiums. Um, it's quite a mixed genus. Uh -huh. um, and one of the things at Chelsea is you've got to label properly. And we have like a little schematic we put on each of the troughs. So we map out the trough with little lines, numbers, showing the numbers of the plants. And then I write the plants. But I always check the spelling and the variety in the plant finder and people have tried to classify the erodiums and, and are failing and I had a trough and I think it had something like five different erodiums in it and you could see they were different plants either in leaf or colour or flower shape whatever they were you, anybody even an untrained eye would have said no that they are not the same plants and I looked up in the plant finder the first one and it said C. erodium guttatum. Oh, okay. And I looked at erodium guttatum. And then I looked at the next one. C. erodium guttatum. And according to the plant finder, every one of those erodiums would have been the same erodium. Oh. So I actually labelled them as I had them named. Yes. And it wasn't picked up on, so I'm assuming it was right. <laughs> you label with confidence. Yes. And that, that's fine. Yes. That's yes. It's just been so lovely to wander around the whole nursery with you and Ray. Um, and, it, you know, everything's sort of very different. The camellias are very different from the alpines and so on. And uh, you've, you've uh, been working very hard out there. What are your future plans for the nursery? Oh, we... I'd, it's so hard to know. At the moment, the future plans are to hope it stops raining mm. and the plants grow on. Mm. Um, the trouble is, once you hit the season which is about now, about March, you're immediately in it and you're looking to the next show or the next thing you've got to do or the next thing you've got to pot. And before you know it, it's July again. We know once we hit April, before we know it, we'll be setting up Hampton Court and that's the last big show. Um, but Ray and I are both officially old age pensioners now and I suppose we should be thinking of slowing down it doesn't, it doesn't uh, seem much sign of that outside, I have but to say. Apart from wanting to do a little bit less than we were, neither of us want to stop work yet. No. We, we, touch wood, and now Ray's had his pacemaker fitted, we're both in reasonable health. Yes. We've got the odd aches and pains and probably a bit of arthritis here and there. But um, nothing substantial. We can still lift, move, uh, drive, which is all good. Yes. 
Um, There's a lot of physical work involved, though. It is a lot of physical work, and and I think especially with shows, picking and and particularly our troughs, people don't appreciate we're lifting troughs, um, and and I have to say my shoulders are complaining a little bit now, and I think this year we will need more young, strong muscle to load and unload the vans than we have had. Um, I don't know how long's a piece of string, how long can you go on, but if we Ideally, I think we'd like to do this year and then maybe we'd be looking for some young, enthusiastic people who would like to take the nursery on. We don't want to move from the house particularly and it would be nice to see the work carried on on the nursery uh, because we have a a reasonably good name now. We've got medals and then there is a good business there for anybody with the enthusiasm and it could be be built on, could could easily be built on. Well, I hope that uh, the future is bright for you. It certainly should be after all that hard work you put in. Thank you so much for letting me come and talk to you today. It's been absolutely brilliant. And uh, obviously now I've got a newfound enthusiasm for camellias, alpines, ferns, and uh, goodness knows what's going into the boot going home. So thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely. My pleasure. information about Ray and Wendy and the wonderful Rotherview Nursery, visit their website at shop.rotherview.com where you'll find contact details, opening times, as well as all the many dates and places where you'll be able to find them over the 2020 show season. The next show they're at is RHS Wisley from the 20th to the 22nd of March. And definitely don't miss them at the Chelsea Flower Show, which this year runs from the 18th to the 23rd of May. Not forgetting the Floral Fringe Fair at Leonardsley Gardens in West Sussex from the 30th to the 31st of May. Other shows are available. You can also follow me as I continue my podcasting pursuits on Instagram at In the Weeds with Anne. Thanks very much for listening and see you next time in the weeds. Music